before I get into a message, though, there's, there's something important to share. So I want to read a couple of scriptures. Colossians 3.8 says this, But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And let me add from Jesus in John 10.10, 10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So church family, uh, some of you were here for the financial forum that happened after the 11 o'clock service last week. Some of you may have not been, but I want to provide an update and share a few thoughts around that. So a couple hundred people were in this room, I know, and again, I was, I was sitting back there as well. At the end of that meeting, a senior employee of Northland stood up and read from some prepared remarks in which they shared their own personal narrative around controversial events from the past few years including a breach of confidential HR information. This was done without the prior approval of Pastor Gus or Elder Mike Kemp, who were also up front. These statements were a damaging affront to the legacy of Pastor Kevin, who, as you know, was released from our staff recently. This action was not acceptable. It does not reflect the values of Northland Church as a Christ-centered organization. The employee who made these remarks was placed on administrative leave and, upon discussion, is resigning from our staff effective early next week. I want to share very clearly that in the meetings where we talked about these things, we prayed to the Lord for mercy and wisdom and blessing upon each and every person involved, including the person who made these statements, who is a brother in Christ who we love. Even when we disagree, even when we have staff transitions, we strive to honor one another and to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. We would never normally address an issue like this from the pulpit, like I'm doing now, but because there was a public statement made from right here, this is a public response. So I'm speaking with you now with the, uh, the approval and the endorsement of the other governing elders and of Pastor Gus. And by the way, Pastor Gus had a previously scheduled vacation. He's enjoying some very, very well-deserved rest this weekend with his family. In light of these events, he said, let me stand right there with you, John. I'm going to cancel my vacation. We said, Pastor Gus, please don't do that. Take that vacation. He's going to be here next week preaching the word for us, and we look forward to welcoming him back. So the words truth and transparency have been used a lot, right? These words do not mean, however, that public announcements will be made around every internal issue that a church faces, nor do they mean that we're going to open up HR processes and files for public review. There are proper checks and balances, there are protocols that are to be followed, and rumors and hearsay should never be believed at face value. Amidst the ongoing confusion that has existed, I want to state definitively for us as a fellowship Pastor Kevin and Pastor Sean have both received a letter of commendation and gratitude from Danny Gordon for their faithful service to Northland Church. They did receive a severance package commensurate with their long tenure at Northland, consistent with how we've treated other long-serving pastors from our church. A damaging statement directed at one of these men, sharing one person's perspective on the last few years, should not muddle these facts. This is the official reality here at Northland. On a personal note, I know this is true for many of you as well, Pastor Kevin has been an incredible mentor and and just a Christ-like servant to my family. He's been involved in our foster care journey, has encouraged and served us. We are so grateful for him. And I know that his kingdom service and impact continues even beyond his time as a staff member here at Northland. We are thankful for him. So that's not quite all. After that first statement was made, Another senior Northland employee took a microphone and started seeking to refute what had been said from the stage. During their statements, this other employee disrespected and dishonored Pastor Gus in a serious way. That's not how we treat our senior leader. That's not how we treat anyone for that matter. And as a result of that incident, this other employee has been placed on administrative leave. 
This person and Pastor Gus and some of our elders have already begun to have conversations around what the next steps may be, including, of course, forgiveness and reconciliation and unity and what does that look like. But from here, that process will be under the oversight of our leadership and guided by our HR practices. So look, this is how we work. You know, all of us are part of a family. Family gets messy sometimes, right? And if you're looking for perfect, well, you can see that you're not going to find it here. Uh, But you might find family, and you will certainly grow closer to Jesus Christ. And many of you have been in churches around the country, and you know it ain't just Northland. Church life can be difficult. There are these things that happen. The perfect church doesn't yet exist. It hasn't yet existed, but will be made complete in Christ in the last day. So look, speaking of family, uh, thank you. Amen, amen. After last Sunday, speaking of family again, my wife and I spent a couple of hours with another Northland couple who, who we're friends with, and, and they said, you know, we just heard this sermon on struggling and toiling and building the bride of Christ, and they said, we're so in for Northland, but we got to know a couple things. I mean, before, like, that was crazy. What happened? They were in this room. That was crazy. We just need to know who has power, who has authority in this body, and, and do they love Jesus? Like, if we can just hear that clearly, that would help so much. And because I thought that many of you, many of us in our fellowship, many online may have similar questions, we wanted to address that straight on. So I want to talk for a couple minutes about our governance and oversight at Northland Church. Um, You know, sometimes it seems like there's this suspicion that with regard to the elder board, uh, it's this group that gathers in smoke-filled rooms to make sinister plans. And uh, I just want to say, I mean, my goodness, there is absolutely no smoking when we gather to make sinister plans. (laughs) We would never do that. Uh, So... We're gonna put a picture up on the screen. This is the elder board at Northland Church along with pastor, interim senior pastor, Gus Davies. So these seven men represent our elder board. In 1 Timothy 3, you see one of the biblical list of qualifications for eldership. But look, this is an important distinction. We do not say that we're an elder-led church. We say that we're an elder-governed church. The elders here are volunteers with a unique role. So volunteers here at Northland do most of the things that happen in the church, right? The parking lot is, is run by d- dedicated volunteers. The Sunday school class- classrooms are taught by volunteers. And the organization is governed by volunteers as well. So each of the seven men who serve as elders have a day job where we earn our living. But we are here, like every other volunteer in this church, because we deeply love this place and we want it to thrive. Uh, There are no special heroes up on the screen. There are just Northland people who play one role among many others. We know this biblically, that there is one body and there are many parts, but in that body there's only one head, and that head is Jesus Christ. So here are a couple things I want you to know about this group. Uh, First of all, we're going to put a picture up that symbolizes the example Jesus gave us, the washing of feet. Our Lord did this, and this is something we strive. We certainly don't perfectly live up to it, but we desire to wash the feet of the Bride of Christ to serve Northland Church. And part of what that involves is actually to have a culture of prayer and putting God first as well. So, you know, um, we had an elder meeting the other day, and, and this was one where I was in a facilitation role, and, and if you've worked with me, man, I'm like, let's get this going, and, and you do this, and we'll do this, and let's get to our action items. And I kind of just plowed right into it. And I was about five minutes in, and I got a text from not one, but two fellow elders who said, you forgot to pray. And so uh, I I was called out. I had to back up and say, guys, I've heard from from more than one of you. Like, I just plowed right into this meeting. Let's back up. Let's invite God to lead us, because if God doesn't take us where we want to go, then we're doing the wrong thing. And so we prayed. 
Now there's another picture I want to share as well. And so this is a picture of, of shepherding. So you see the wolves in the distance, you see the, the sheep, and that represents us as the church. And of course, Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd. But one of the biblical roles of eldership is to serve as an under-shepherd, serving under Christ's leadership, but to guard the flock from threats internal and external. And that is something that we take very seriously as well. Some of the latest meetings we've had have ended past midnight. Some of the earliest are 6 a.m. Uh, but this is something that's a joy and a delight because we desire to serve and bless and protect this church in Jesus' name. I'll also say that sometimes sparks fly, even among our group, because we're passionate and there can be disagreements, but at the end of the day, we stand together in unity and and come together in Jesus' name. You've seen Danny Gordon up here. Uh, He's the chairman of our elder board, so he leads our group. He sets the agenda for our meetings, but no one person, Danny or anyone else, has ultimate authority at Northland. He serves as a group as part of this group of governing elders and leads our time together. So I want to share a little bit of an org chart or a picture that will hopefully address some questions as well. So the elders of Northland Church are not fully independent. Of course, the head of the church, as we're talking about, is Jesus Christ. That's central. We'll never forget that. But also, we, we actually pay a membership fee to ECFA. That's the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. There are standards that we follow that they can audit to make sure that we're on track. And as a nonprofit organization, we're subject to the law of the land, the United States and Florida, of course. And then we have Northland bylaws that we are subject to and that we must honor. So that's the authority that the elder board operates under. And then the elder board supervises the lead pastor, which is right now Pastor Gus is our interim senior pastor. So Northland is a place of accountability. Nobody can run off and do something crazy. We do a performance review of the lead pastor every year. And we know and set their compensation level at an appropriate level. And by the way, I'll share this. Pastor Gus, uh, when he came into the role that he has now, we offered him what we thought was an appropriate amount of compensation for the interim senior pastor role, but he accepted less than that. He's a humble man of God who serves this church, and he does lead our staff, and he has our backing to do so as an elder board. There's been a lot of talk or gossip about elder votes at times. So what was the vote? And I heard this was voted and that was voted. And and I just want to say that 90% of what happens at the board level in those conversations is not voting here and voting there. It's talking and praying and aligning and discussing together for the church. Votes are on official matters like setting the budget or if we're hiring a new lead pastor, these kinds of things, certainly there's a vote. And by our bylaws, such a vote must be unanimous and we're held to that. But on the vast majority of issues, Pastor Gus, our pastors, our directors on our staff team, they are empowered to lead in their various domains. So elders aren't here on campus uh, choosing paint colors or, or auditing this Bible study versus that Bible study. We have great people who are empowered to do the roles of leading this church. On major issues, Pastor Gus will appropriately ensure that the elders are aware and aligned. With regard to the difficult pastoral layoff that we've been through, the board was aware and aligned to the process followed, which was for Pastor Gus to make a final decision after closely consulting with all of us on this matter. He continues to have our support in leading the organization. So something else you see on the screen here is, you know, the authority of the board is sometimes allocated to committees to do specialized work. And so you see the HR committee, the finance committee, the pastor search committee. These are important. And what these look like is it's typically a couple of elders and then a couple of staff members who are in those domains And then also a couple of congregants who have deep expertise in this area as well. 
And so this is a check and balance. This is a protection for the church. So if there were any issues, audit processes, these kinds of things that happen, issues can flow upward through the staff structure and come to Pastor Gus ultimately, but they can also flow out and around to these committees that exist, the finance committee, the HR committee. So there's always a check and balance. If any one person were off track, there are processes in place where that information can come to light and be handled appropriately. So, you know, there you have it. Uh, There have been a lot of questions this week. There's been a lot of discussion. I sincerely hope this helps with some of it. Who has authority? Can they be trusted? And do they love Jesus? Well, I can tell you, on my integrity, there is a deep love and surrender to Jesus Christ in this group at Northland Church. You know, it's easy to stand at the side and throw rocks at a church. It's much harder to join the project of building it up. And something I know and something I've heard from so many of you, even this week, is those of you here in this room, those of you who are with us online in many different places, are standing together as the bride of Christ to build this place for Jesus' glory. And I just want to say thank you for doing that. Thank you for your commitment. So churches are... Amen. So churches are run by people. Uh, that's, that's stating the obvious. But inevitably, because they're run by people, they will ultimately end up disappointing us in various times and in various ways. When I was a kid, I grew up in an amazing church. And then amidst some different swirling rumors and conversations that came, came about, we ended up losing our pastor and, and some things happened. And, and without going into all the details of that, that experience knocked a lot of people out of the church. It knocked people away from their faith. And it was a very sad time. And uh, through the conversations I had with some mentors in that season of my life, I came to realize, you know what? Uh, Again, the church is full of people, and every true gospel truth that I've heard from somebody that I've been taught, it's not invalidated by any sin that happens. It's not invalidated when the church has a stumble. The truth of the gospel stands and has built me up, and I stand in it, and I continue to invest in the church. So we love Jesus. We're going to keep fighting the good fight to serve him together. I can promise you we are not perfect men and women who who lead in worship up on this stage, who are the elder board, the staff, and certainly in our congregation, none of us are, and yet we stand united as the bride of Christ to serve our Lord. Amen to that, church family. So I know it's July 4th and we all have plans for fireworks, but none of us knew they were coming a week early for our church, so Lord have mercy as we walk together in Jesus' name. Uh, Let's turn to, I'm going to shift gears now and enter into the message that I had planned for this week. Um, It's a long one, but I'm just going to speak three times as fast and we're going to go right through it. So, but no, if you could stand with me for the reading of the word of God. And this passage, I'll just say this is a little more confusing than the average bear. Uh, This is a complicated passage and and I normally read from the ESV. It's a pretty direct translation, Uh, but today I'm going to come with the NLT, the New Living Translation, so we can catch the overall flow of what's happening. It's more of a paraphrase. So stand with me as we read the Word of God out of Colossians 2. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots, that's our series title, Rooted, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. 
So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, and he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away, nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. You can be seated. Thank you for honoring God's word as we stand together and sit under its instruction. So in looking at this passage, there are three key ideas that I want to address today. We're going to put those on the screen. Number one is that Christ brings freedom. And we couldn't have planned this, and we didn't even plan it, but on July 4th, we have the passage that says Christ brings freedom. So amen to that. Christ supersedes the law, and therefore stay focused. We're going to go through one, two, three out of this passage from Paul. So first of all is Christ brings freedom. And as I get to the end, this is just a five-minute heads up. On this point, we're going to take communion together. And so You may already have one of these, but if you don't have one, you can raise your hand and receive one. If you're with us online, you can prepare elements wherever you are and plan to join us in about five minutes. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we invite you to that experience. So look, if someone offers you freedom, if you can be delivered potentially, you want to know a couple of things about your deliverer. Number one is, are they powerful enough to set me free? Do they have the authority, right? And number two is, are they willing to help me? So if they are willing to help but don't have the power, well, that's, that's no use to us. And if they have all the power in the world, but they don't see us, they're not willing to help us, again, no good. And so Paul takes us through the power and authority of Christ, and then also his willingness and action to set us free spiritually. So first, let's look at power, which is in verse 9 of this text. And I'm back in the ESV now, as far as the translation is concerned. It says, for in him... The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. That's an amazing statement. So deity means the divine status, quality, or nature. What it means to be God. This is saying like the the godness of God. Everything that makes God who he is. That was contained in human flesh. That was inside of a man. Unbelievable claim. Many have claimed to be God. But only one vindicated that claim by dying and rising again and founding the everlasting church, which continues to this day. 
So Paul says, Jesus is God. The second person of the Trinity came and lived among us. He has the authority. So once we know who Jesus is, then there's another question that's left, right? Is he willing to help us? Did he bring us freedom? And of course, we could pull somebody up here from Sunday school, one of our children, and if we put them right here on the stage and we said, hey, how did Jesus bring us freedom? They might answer and say, well, he died on the cross. And we would say, correct, that's great, good job. But then we step back and think about it and we go, well, wait a minute. What does it have to do with my spiritual life today that, you know, 2,000 years ago, the Roman authorities in a Jewish province crucified a man? Even say that that's, that's, they were the God-man, they were divine. Well, what does that mean for me? How does it relate to my journey today? Paul explains a little bit of that to us. So let's take a look at that and then talk about it. Verses 13 and 14. It says, God, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So I want you to think about three parties that are involved in what Jesus did at the cross. First of all is God himself. He's the creator and king of the universe, and in his goodness there are ways that the world should operate. And he has been, there's an affront, there is an offense against the dignity of God that demands justice. If someone runs under your front yard and throws a brick through the window, right, they violated your property the good way that your land, your house is supposed to operate, there's been an affront against you. We have done the same to God. As for us, as the sinners, we're covered in guilt and shame. We have dishonored ourselves. And we all know that feeling of not being able to escape the sense of guilt that haunts us in our sin. And then finally, we know that spiritual forces of darkness are a reality in a biblical worldview, and Satan and the powers of evil rule over us when we're subject to this world and we cannot escape their grasp. That's the state we find ourselves in, but at the cross, Jesus brought freedom to all three. As for God, he paid the penalty himself, again, the second person of the Trinity. Jesus paid the cost of what we have done, and the offense against God has been wiped out for us. Our guilt and our shame has been taken away because we wear the clean and righteous robe of Jesus Christ. We are covered by our Lord. And as for the powers of Satan, the demonic forces of this world, they do not rule over you if you are in Christ. He vanquished them. He defeated them when he rose from the grave. He defeated death. So if you're in Christ, thanks to his work at the cross, there is this threefold truth You can hold this in your heart in times of doubt and darkness. You can shout this from the rooftops. It's, I am right with God. I am clean and holy, and I am free from the powers of evil. They have no hold over me. Jesus' cross and resurrection, it becomes the pivot point of human history. And how you and I stand in relation to those events is the most critical thing about us. So church family, after the controversies we've endured, What a perfect moment to reflect on what Jesus has done and enter into the Lord's Supper together. So we're going to take this time of communion. I invite you to gather your elements. And as we come to this moment as the bride of Christ, we come in gratitude, remembering what Jesus has done. And we also take a moment that's that's a somber moment to look inside our own heart and say, what is it inside of me, Lord, where I have sinned? And we lay those before him, knowing that he covers them by his grace. And we enjoy 
the purity of Christ in this moment with a powerful symbol and reminder of what Jesus has done. So as we read in scripture on the night when he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I invite you to take the bread with me. Thank you for your body, Lord. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I invite you to take the cup and remember the blood of Christ that was spilled for your and my sins. Scripture tells us as often as we do this, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So Jesus Christ, you are the God-man. You came with the authority and power and you laid it down for us to give us new life. Thank you for the freedom to declare, I am right with God. I am clean and holy. I am free from the powers of evil. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, church. So that's point number one. Christ has brought us freedom. Now, some of you are looking at your watch going, this guy is 30 minutes in. He has a three-point sermon, and we're through point number one. You're like, you know, if I'm doing my math correctly, we're headed for 90 minutes here, and, and uh, I had to cut it short at 9 a.m. because we had to make room for you guys, but here, we've got all day. So we're, we're going through this together. Um, no, we are, we're going to move through these last couple points together. You know, on point number two, Christ supersedes the law. Christ has fulfilled the law. I had some slides that I'm really proud of, and there were boxes and arrows and things going around the screen, but those are going to have to, to come another day, if, 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 or maybe just go away. But uh, we're not going to cover them today. But the point was, as new covenant believers who are in Jesus, we, we have the Old Testament for a reason. We read it, we use it, we love it, we learn from it. And yet our relationship to the Old Testament, to the law of Moses, is different than it was for the Jewish people before the time of Christ. Some of the obvious examples, right? We don't sacrifice animals anymore. And we are free to eat bacon with a clean conscience, praise God. So things look different in the New Covenant. But more specifically, Paul makes an argument here in this passage today that I don't want us to miss. He talks about baptism and circumcision, right? It's a little confusing. You read through, you go, what's going on there? Well, Paul is saying baptism has replaced circumcision. So if you go back to the Old Covenant, actually, it goes all the way back to Abraham to be circumcised as a male in God's people was a a statement, a physical statement. I'm being set apart, and I am part of the people of God. It was an outward sign of an inward reality. And Paul is saying, in the new covenant, in the church, baptism has taken the place of that. Think about baptism. It's a public sign. It's a confession that we are entering into the body of Christ. And Paul teaches us in this passage that in that moment when we come up out of the water, the water falls back. It's this awesome moment. The flesh, the old man, the sinful nature is falling away, and we are coming into the purity and glory of Christ in that moment. That's our spiritual circumcision. I didn't want us to miss that teaching that's contained right in this passage. But let's move on to number three, which is therefore stay focused. So in light of the first couple of points Paul has made in this passage, Christ has brought freedom. Christ has superseded and fulfilled the law of Moses. He says, therefore, run free. Live your life in the beauty and simplicity of Christ, your gospel calling. Paul really lists a lot of things here. He says, you know, many people 
in the church back in his day are subject to deceptions and distractions. And as you go through the passage, if you read through, you can make a list of these. We're going to put that on the screen. Paul calls all of these things out. And he says, these are deceptions and distractions that you face in the church in the first century in that region of the world. And he goes through all of these. And you know, none of us are having new moon festivals. Paul wouldn't have to call that out for us. But there were things that were pulling God's people's attention and focus away. And he says, don't do that. Don't do that. And if Paul were here today, and the Holy Spirit is with us, he can convict us and say, what are the deceptions and distractions that the church is subject to in the 21st century in the Western world? And I want to submit for your consideration just four of these, and we'll, we'll hit on them briefly and consider them in today's world. So number one would be Christian offshoots or cults. Watch out for groups that add to the faith, that claim that their leader has had special visions or revelations that add to or supersede the word of God that we have received, or practice secret customs. Paul might say, don't go down those roads, church. Stick with the simplicity and beauty of the gospel. He would say, don't do this thing with an end times obsession. You know, Jesus himself taught, and you can look in the Gospel of Matthew, he basically makes the point, guys, I'm going to be gone for a while. Don't try to guess when I'm coming back. Stay faithful to what I've given you, and that's our task, to stay faithful. I did get a hot tip that Christ's return will be during the next super harvest blood moon, so we can all be on the lookout for that. But again, we're not supposed to focus on that, so don't, let's just stay faithful to our calling. Number three is prioritization of group identities. This is happening in the world today. Unfortunately, we see it happening. And we got to say two things about this. Number one, consistent for thousands of years, the teaching of God has been that if you have wealth, if you have influence, if you have a position of power, guess what? Your command from God is to steward that generously for the benefit of others, especially those on the margins of society. That is the command and the heart of God. And yet, in the midst of that call, Scripture also teaches us that we are not divided in Christ. We are one in Christ. And so any teaching that divides us and assigns guilt implicitly because this is the color of your skin, this is how much money you have, this is your gender, anything like that has to be rejected by the church of Jesus Christ. I praise God that we are many different colors, we are many different levels of wealth, and yet we come into this room as men and women and we worship our Lord together as one body of Christ. And the final one here would be leadership factions. Paul does call this out in a different letter. You know, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Peter. And we're taught in Scripture that Christ is the head. Christ is the one that we follow. And here at Northland, we've seen many great leaders, and many people might say, you know, I follow Joel or Matt or Gus or Kevin or Sean or Rob or John or Marsh. We've seen these men. We love these men. They are men who reflect the glory of God. They are great And yet Christ is the head of this church. We eagerly await a new lead pastor. We're in prayer over that. That committee is stewarding that process diligently. And yet when that man arrives and he stands here and preaches to us, he does not become the head of the church. Jesus Christ still remains in that place. So we are, amen, amen. I am excited about that day in God's timing when it comes. And yet let's keep that in mind as we move into the future together. So church family, Christ brings freedom. Christ has superseded the law and therefore let us stay 
focused on Jesus and the simplicity of our gospel call. I want to close out with a story today. This is about a woman who was taken prisoner by Islamists in a lawless area of Africa, and they put her in prison because they didn't like that she was telling people about Jesus as Savior. They actually offered her a car and a house to renounce Jesus and return to Islam. And her response was, you can boil me in oil, but I will never turn away from Jesus Christ. So many people I know were praying for this woman, and we eventually heard a message back, and I want to read that to you. It said, greetings to you from the eastern region in the name of our Lord Jesus. I want to share with you the good news we just heard about our sister and her family. The government has decided to free both her and her husband with their little baby. The decision was sudden and unexpected. It's like God was sending his angels like he did for Peter in the book of Acts. Before they left, she and her husband got another opportunity in prison. The Islamic religious leaders came for the last time to convince them to go back to Islam. But she and her husband shared with them about Jesus and invited them to come to Jesus as he is the way and the truth and the life. As a result of sharing, her husband has been beaten again badly, but God has protected his life. They are both rejoicing about all this because they know that this has happened, because they are following the Savior, Jesus Christ. The Lord has surely given them a holy boldness to stand for Jesus in spite of all the circumstances. And man, I read that story and I go, talk about struggle and toil, but talk about eternal glory and rewards. So Northland Church, we don't face anything quite like that. We do have hard things in our midst. We have conflicts and disagreements. We have bickering and bitterness, but nobody's boiled in oil. Nobody's been beaten up. Praise God for that. But may we have this woman's holy boldness to stand together as the bride of Christ as we walk into our future together. I want to invite you as we close to stand with me, and I'm going to pray as the worship team comes out, and we're going to worship God to one final song. So Lord Jesus, if our sister in another nation can stand against the assembled forces of evil, the powers of darkness, and say, you don't rule over me, you can boil me, you can do whatever you want, but I will never turn from Jesus. That's not human strength, that's supernatural strength. And Lord, we face divisions and controversies. We face heartache, all of these things in our midst. But would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, fill this room and fill our hearts so that we can stand as your bride united. Lord Jesus, it's not a strength that is in us, but it's the power of God working in your people. We cry out to you for it in Jesus' name as we come to you to worship your holy and righteous name. Amen. Thank you, church.